Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. Before we get started, if you have kids around, please don't play this episode because there is explicit language today. We're just getting real. You may have noticed after about 11 years, I've been changing things up, and I now have two types of solo shows Minisodes. They're on specific topics, and the show is about 10 minutes in length, bite size. And then I have the juicy deep dives that we take a topic into a deeper level, and we max out those shows in 30 minutes. And today I have a deep dive for you. Before we get started, are we connected? Join my newsletter. The link is in the show notes, and let's get connected. And then for today, I'm talking about the antidote to shame. I'm probably one of the few people on the planet that loves to talk about shame. It's so freeing when you can talk about it. But before we talk about the antidote to shame, let's talk about what is shame. If you're new here, you may be thinking, shame, why are we talking about it? Shame, who wants to talk about shame? I wonder how many people don't even click to listen when they see the title. And that's okay, because I'm here with you. And if you've been here a long time, you know we talk about shame a lot, because it is the thing that gets in the way of our creating the life that we hunger for, that we desire, that's inside of us, and we just can't figure out how the hell to get it. And we get frustrated, and we have despair, and we have anger, and we think, this horrible belief that I once had in my life, this is as good as it gets. And it sucks. It may not be traumatic. It might not be even all that bad in other people's eyes, but it doesn't align with your soul. That kind of talk, that's what happens when we're in a place of shame because we don't go out into our lives and really go after what it is that we want and go after and create it. And it's because of shame. Let's define shame. Brene Brown says that shame is that intensely painful feeling or experience believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. I'm going to say that again because you're probably writing this down. Shame is that intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Remember, shame is a feeling. It's a feeling state we have inside of us. There's a voice. All feelings have messages and they're here to tell us something. And unfortunately, the voice of shame sounds like this. I'm not enough. There's something wrong with me. I'm bad. Sure, that is possible for other people, just not for me. That's comparison, which is rooted in shame. Could be, who the hell do you think you are? What's wrong with you? Why are you like this? Why can't you create what you want? Those are all the voices of shame. And remember, shame is a feeling. 
It's a really crappy feeling. So crappy, we spend our lives running from it. We will self-sabotage what we want to disconnect ourselves from shame. In fact, we have ways to shield ourselves from shame. Numbing, hiding away, those are fantastic ways of shielding ourselves, disconnecting ourselves from that feeling of shame. You can overindulge in food. You can numb yourself so that you don't even pay attention to the stories in your head. You don't feel that physical sensation of what shame feels like. You may not even know how to identify it because you're so bloated sitting on the couch or you're binge watching to degree to hide and numb, not because it's out of enjoyment. Approval whoring is another way that we disconnect ourselves from shame. We use it to shield ourselves. Some of you may like people pleasing better. I need the word approval whore because it's so striking. It's so in my face. It reminds me that I never want to sell myself out. People pleasing kind of sounds nice. It's like, oh, this is a good thing that you're doing. You're people pleasing. Approval whoring does not sound nice. And it is a fantastic reminder for me, do not sell yourself out, Corinne. And we will do that because we want other people's opinions of ourselves because we're afraid to trust our own. The problem with approval whoring is that just like numbing yourself and eating that third bowl of ice cream or drinking that third glass of wine or binge watching for the sixth hour in a row, is that it may feel comfortable and be a great distraction in that moment, but it will create a shitstorm later on of self-beating and self-hatred that you numbed in this way. Approval whoring, you may feel good in that moment when you get that positive feedback, but later on when you're with yourself, by yourself, back at home, you may feel slimy from selling yourself out. And while it felt good in that moment to have that person rave about you or give you positive judgment, just as quickly as it came, it will leave. It doesn't stay. So you used it to disconnect from shame, that voice of you're not enough. Who do you think you are? There's something wrong with you. That intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that you are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. And you'll get that approval, but it goes away just as quickly. And then you're back with yourself. The other shield that we used to shield ourselves from shame, I call it gladiator or inner gladiator. And I did a mini soda on this a while back that I'll put in the show notes. Gladiator is you're going to mess with me. Bring it on. Let's go. Inner gladiator is the self-beating and the self-hatred that we do to ourselves. And it's interesting because when I do this work with clients, we tend to go inner gladiator on ourselves and with those that we love the most, which when you're on the other side of a gladiator moment can be confusing. Like if you loved me, you wouldn't do this. But for those of you that are parents, you understand when your kids will go over to somebody's house for a play date and the parents say, wow, your child is so well behaved. They're so amazing. Da, 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 da. And you say, are you sure you have my child? Because that's not the kid that I have at home. At home, they're safe with us. They know that they belong. So we see all sides. But at other places, they may be hustling to fit in, to be approved for. So they're actually approval whoring themselves. 
So we tend to go gladiator. It's not a written rule, but in the work that I do with clients, we tend to go gladiator with those that are really important to us that we love. And we'll go gladiator and walk over them to get the approval of people out there who we may perceive that has power over us. Maybe they're a boss or somebody that we want to like us because then if they like us, we're now validated and we have now arrived, except remember, it's all fleeing because as soon as they deem that we're not good enough, we're off versus when you can believe in yourself. So gladiator, and then the other part of gladiator is inner gladiator when you just beat the crap at yourself over and over and over and over and over again. So we use these process, hiding away, numbing, that's one, approval whoring, that's two, and gladiator or inner gladiator three, we use those shields to disconnect us from the feeling of shame. We think, Hey, if I don't feel it, if I can disconnect it, I'm going to be okay. And we are so good at disconnecting from shame. Most of us don't even know what shame is. And most of us do not know what it feels like emotionally. We do not know what it feels like physically. And I understand because I used to run from it. As a kid, I was often told this phrase that I do not use in my life and have not used. I've never used it, I don't think. But I was often told, shame on you. Who's heard that before? Have you been told that? Shame on you. As I say that, I can feel my chest and my shoulders get hot and tense. I can feel the blood flow through it. I can feel myself just want to get small and hide away. Shame on you. I'm so ashamed of you. Those words were so painful when I was a kid that I spent decades running the hell away from it, disconnecting, numbing, hiding away, approval whoring, going gladiator. You're going to fuck with me, bring it on. I'm taking you down. And I would talk to myself that same way. And I give you that because we have spent so long running from it. The problem is, is that when you run from it, you can't outrun it. It was always right there with you. This week, I had a client who had the voice of, there's something wrong with me. She was very attached to that. She's like, no, this is absolutely true. There is something wrong with me, not with other people, just with me. And she did not realize that that was the feeling of shame. She hadn't been able to connect that voice with the feeling of shame. She believed that there was something wrong with me and then taking it further. It just must be me. Nobody else. It's possible for other people, but there's something wrong with me. And that's why I can't create the results that I want in my life because there's something wrong with me. And, you know, as I say this, I can feel my neck start to flare up. Notice in your body as I'm sharing this story, somebody else's story, where you feel it in your body, get to know your shame sensations because that's where it becomes powerful. You will get to know that and you'll be so powerful when you know it. It doesn't mean that shame will go away, but to be able to create an awareness. Here's why it's important to create an awareness. Think about this. If you're a little kid, or if you have a little kid, they don't have awareness that when the street, if, they're, if you guys are walking along the street, where the street ends and the road begins and how the road could potentially be dangerous. They may not understand that, oh, if we're at a crosswalk with signal lights, I need to wait until 
until the light says I can walk across the road. They may not have that awareness. And so that is our job to teach them that. Well, guess what? Nobody ever taught us what shame was because everybody's been out trying to outrun it. We didn't understand what it was until Brene Brown came walking along in her her TED talk back in 2010. So you're learning to walk and cross streets and understand that there could potentially be danger. You could get hit by a car, but there is a process and a structure to get you to the other side of the road safely. It doesn't mean that there's not danger of crossing a street. There, there can be the potential danger, but there can be a way to get across it. That is why it is so important to understand shame. Because when you understand it, when you speak it, when you own your story, it can no longer control you. You will stop that self-sabotaging behavior that you do in your life, like overeating, like approval whoring, like going gladiator on people that you love, which then breaks away the trust and it doesn't allow you to cultivate the relationships you want to have with these people. And then you get back into the story of, see, here's evidence. I'm just not good enough because if I was good enough, they would want to be with me. But who wants to be with somebody that goes gladiator on them? And we all do this, don't we? And some of you may do hide away more than go gladiator. Just know your tendencies. And some of you will do all three with different people in different scenarios. I do all three, but my go-tos are gladiator and approval whoring. And I've worked on letting go of approval whoring and gladiator, you know, that puffing off somewhere along the line, I learned a message that when you puff up, you are strong, you are powerful. And actually it's not trust me from that one because I've learned the, the hard way. So understanding shame is so important because until you understand shame and how it operates in your life, it will control your life. And it's okay if this is the first time that you've ever even started to create an awareness. And it's okay if you feel uncomfortable. This is all normal. This is all okay. And again, shame is that intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. It's that voice of, I'm not enough. There's something wrong with me. I'm bad. I'm broken. One of my favorites is, I'm a loser. Sure, that's possible for somebody else. It's just not possible for me. Comparison is rooted in shame. Judgment is rooted in shame. Blame is rooted in shame. And we're often so afraid of other people judging us. It's rooted in shame. And it's a great way for us to disconnect from other people, but we want connection. We are hardwired for connection. So the fantastic news is there is an antidote to shame. Yes, you heard it correctly. The antidote will allow you to be resilient to shame. And what resilient means is that you'll be able to feel the shame and understand the shame, unpack the messages of the shame, really question the shame and move through it. So instead of collapsing or approval whoring or going gladiator and having to use all that energy, you're able to move through it and your shit storms are less costly. It's so awesome. I had a client in a shitstorm yesterday and she was able to move through it and then pack it and be able to respond from a place of compassion without having to bring that work to me today before she responded. That is awesome. 
So you're not going to be shame resistant. It's not about being resistant to shame and shame doesn't show up in your life. It's not about creating a shame-free zone and it's not allowed in this space because that's not realistic. But it's about being resilient to shame where you can fall down, you can get back up. And since 2006, that is what this show has been about. It's been about falling down and getting back up and taking you behind the green curtain to, to show you how other people have been successful. It's being able to get back up. It's not about bad things never happening in your life. It's about being able to get back up. So being shame resilient happens with the antidote to shame. And you're going to be able to move through shame instead of it controlling you and you self-sabotaging your life. So here is the antidote for shame. Have your pen and paper ready. The antidote is empathy and self-compassion those two things. And we're going to break down what they really mean. Empathy, the attributes are perspective taking, asking yourself, is it true? Is it true that I'm not good enough? And good enough for what? What exactly is the standard that I'm raising myself to? So often we set a standard that is totally unachievable. So of course, we're going to fail. Of course, we're never going to measure up. Say if you made a certain amount of money, and you said, oh, well, yeah, I'd only be successful if I made twice that. Or say you're an athlete at a certain level, like say, you know, well, I'm not an Olympian. Well, there's only in my sport, at least there's between 40 and 52 people who become Olympians every four years. That is going to set up most people for failure than for success. So perspective taking, asking yourself, is it true? Staying out of judgment is the other one being a compassionate observer in your life and really paying attention, being a compassionate observer for others. Because what is the thing that most people are afraid of? Being judged by other people, the judgment of others. And even myself, recently I impacted a situation where I went, holy moly, I was playing small in this scenario because I was worried about this perceived judgment that I had of other people about me in this different arena. And it was so interesting because I've done a lot of work personally around this to let go of the judgment of others and knowing whose opinion mattered and whose didn't. And the crazy thing was, I guess it's not crazy. The interesting thing is that the people whose opinion matters, they're not even judging me on this arena. It's all these people make believe in my head, all these critics in my life who are judging. I don't even know who they are. I don't know their names. They're just people out there. I make believing, I'm story fumbling, and I'm creating all this drama and indulging it in my head. And it's not feeling very good. So be a compassionate observer. Stay out of judgment. That's the second attribute. The other is recognizing the emotion by asking yourself, what am I feeling? And you're going to want to say sadness, anger, frustration. Remember, If it sounds like this intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that you're flawed and unworthy of love and belonging, that is shame. If if the voice sounds like I'm not enough, there's something wrong with me. I am bad. It's possible for other people. It's not possible for me. That is shame. And when we walk through what shame was, remember what those physical sensations were in your body so that you can start attaching the word shame with that physical sensation. So now it's like the red light at the signal light. Red means stop. You don't cross the road. 
green means go and you can cross the road. Recognizing the emotion is number three. Number four is communicating the emotion. So now that you know, oh, I'm feeling shame, you own your story and you own your story with yourself. And then you share your story with someone else who's earned the right to hear it. Now, maybe you're like me and you're a verbal processor. And so sometimes I know who my people are, who are the people on my list who've earned the right to hear my story as I'm processing and I'm verbally vomiting. I'll put that mini sode in the show links as well. I will. So I know. And so sometimes as I'm speaking, I'm able to own my story and then figure things out and own your story pay attention. You've earned the right to hear your story. Communicate this emotion. So you could say to yourself like, oh, I'm feeling shame right now. Why am I feeling shame? What is the message of shame? Is it true? And then the other component is mindfulness. And this comes from Kristen Neff. Knowing your thoughts without attaching to it feeling your feelings and moving through instead of pushing away because it's uncomfortable. That's what mindfulness is. There's all this noise, 40 to 60,000 thoughts in your head all day long. It's really noisy. There's a lot of drama. I deal with this every day with my clients. So when you can know that there's these stories in your head, you're making meaning out of all the stuff and there's stuff in there that's programmed from advertisements from your family of origin, from teachers, from coaches, from bosses. There's all this stuff that do you even believe? Do you, is it true for you? You haven't even questioned it. We have to detach from those stories and see, look at them and unpack them. So that's about being mindful. The next antidote for shame is self-compassion. And there are three attributes. Self-kindness. Talk to yourself the way you talk to people you love. If that works for you, talk to yourself the way, look around in your life and where do you hold the most compassion? Maybe it's the grocery store clerk. That's okay. You have that skill set within you and you can transfer it to another arena. The way I talk with my clients is one of the most compassionate places that I am. And so for me, I use it, the reminder of talk to myself, the way I talk to my clients, talk to my kids, the way I talk with my clients and holding that compassionate space. And yes, can it be challenging, especially after you had years or decades, especially if you've been married for 30 years or 40 years with your spouse, give them that compassionate space be kind, self-compassion to yourself, compassion to others, kindness, self-kindness to yourself, kindness to others. Then the next attribute is common humanity. And that means you're not alone. You're not the only one that's struggling with this. And with the shame and shame resilience and shame taking you down, you may have read about it. You may have heard about it. You may have seen Ted talks about it with Brene but it's so hard to believe that it's not just me. I mean, shoot, one of her first books is named. I thought it was just me. It's not just you. And our problems are so universal. We just don't believe in ourselves that we are enough. And we've been, we've bought into the cultural programming that there's something wrong with us, that we're broken. 
And the thing is, we're not. Everything's learnable. Maybe you're not a good cook, but that's a learnable skill. Maybe you're not good at money. Guess what? That's a learnable skill. It's all learnable. And then you have to decide, what is it that I want to learn? Because there's not enough time to learn everything. (laughs) Listen to me say there's not enough time. That's ironic, isn't it? But really, what do we really want to be good at? Where do we want to put our focus on? And be able to empower ourselves to get stuff done and create the results that we want. That comes from common humanity, realizing we're not alone. Then finally, it is about mindfulness. Again, it's not, it's about not attaching to your thought or your feelings. So I'm going to go through the attributes again, empathy, perspective taking. Is it true? Staying out of judgment, being a compassionate observer, Number three is recognizing the emotion. What am I feeling? Four is communicating the emotion, owning your story, share your story with someone who's earned the right to hear it. And that's really important. Mindfulness, which is knowing your thoughts without attaching to it, feeling your feelings and moving through instead of pushing away feeling because it's uncomfortable. You can do uncomfortable. You're living in a shame storm. That is uncomfortable. You're already there. So why not move through this feeling? Then self-compassion, the attributes are self-kindness, common humanity, you're not alone, your struggles are everyone's struggles. Mindfulness, it's not about attaching to your thoughts or your feelings. So the good news is you have the antidote. The bad news is I'm not the fairy godmother and this is not my magic wand with bippity boppity boop, or you take three doses of this three times a day for the next five days and it's gone. It's practice. This is where your work happens. This is where you take this podcast and you put it into action to create the change in your life. This podcast can be a great resource, but you have to do the work and work doesn't have to be a bad four letter word. Work can be really empowering because think about it. You're living in the shit storm right now. You're living in the swampland. It's not fun there. It's stinky. There are rats. It's dark. There's mold. We are in pain. We are in suffering and there really is a better way but you have to go out and try it and you practice and you be, you, you're empathetic to yourself and you're compassionate to yourself. And I invite you to make a commitment to yourself where you commit to practicing empathy and self-compassion, allowing yourself the space to screw it up and get back up and go out and recommit to it again and practice empathy and self-compassion because that, my friend, is going to help you cultivate shame resilience in your life. I want to thank you so much for listening to to today's deep dive on shame and the antidote to shame. And if the ideas here today connect with you, I would love for you to sign up for my newsletter. I have special offerings that only go out in the newsletter and I don't want you to miss this. So join us so you don't miss out because I have some fun stuff coming in December of 2017 as we wrap up the year. Until next time, I'm smiling big for you. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wide awake.